0: Welcome to my podcast on How Not to Retire, A Psychological Approach to Retiring Healthy and Wealthy, Episode 5, The 7 Steps to a Healthy Transition, Part 1. Greetings, I'm your host, Dr. Richard Himmer. In our last episode, I addressed the five stages of retirement. Let's review a few topics before we jump into the meat of today's podcast. An important aspect of an effective retirement is is your relationship with wealth. Remember, wealth is defined as having enough love, enough friends, enough time, enough energy, and enough money. That's part of it. But it's not all about money because a subset of wealth is money, not the other way around. Remember, money can buy wealth if used properly. It can also buy your happiness unless you live in what we call the drama triangle or the victim trap and you manifest a disposition for getting offended, or feeling depressed, being angry, or a host of other behavioral addictions that compromise your happiness. So to rehearse real quick the five stages of retirement, number one was pre-retirement. This is the planning stage. It's the setting to create a trajectory for fulfillment, or a lack of planning, which sets the trajectory for frustration. Failure to consciously prepare risks later disillusionment, which is kind of the third step. But step number two is full retirement. This is the pinnacle. This is where all the retirement glory is is fulfilled, right? It's where all your pursuits align with personal values and you have ample social connection. But very few people get here. As a matter of fact, almost nobody gets there for the primary reason that they omit pre-retirement, the awareness stage and the planning stage, which leads then to the third stage called disenchantment, where disappointment comes, it's ubiquitous, right? It stems from a lack of identity, it stems from a lack of purpose, from a lack of productive structure, and unmet expectations kind of run the day. Remember the quote I gave you by Dr. Gary Brecka? Aging is the aggressive avoidance of discomfort. In reality, how many people really want to sit down at a desk or a computer and plan out what tomorrow looks like? How many want to just completely restructure their mindset, get in touch with who they really are, understand the fact that they completely identify with their position at work, and they're scared to death? to retire for fear that they're going to lose their identity, therefore lose their purpose, and therefore kind of sink into the hallows of being disillusioned, disenfranchised, and frustrated. Which brings us to step four. That's reorientation. Really, it's just step one. So you have to go back and start planning again. And so what we chatted about last time was If you're at that stage where you're somewhat disenchanted, you've already been retired for a little bit of time, or you're fearful you're going to go in that direction, let's do step one correct this time. And that's the key behind it. Let's get ourselves planned for the future and then lead to step five, which is basically reconciliation and stability, or step two all over again because you did step one right. So the early stages, the early planning from stage one is vital for this smooth passage across the retirement journey. But at any point, a conscious course direction allows for recalibrating what it is you're doing. The mindset remains the rudder in navigating your retirement. It can be choppy and it can be sheltered, your call. But if you plan up front, a sense of purpose and belonging will permeate the retirement process. All right. The seven steps of retirement. Now, we're only going to do half of them today. Well, not three and a half, but three steps today, and we'll cover four in the next episode. Let me begin this segment of the podcast with a quote from one of my favorite authors, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. The way to live a full life is to act quickly, particularly as you grow older. It's alarmingly easy to let a year or two Or five, slip by without doing the big things you always felt like doing. You get into a rhythm, not necessarily one you love, but when you become comfortable repeating and the grooves of your daily routine become deeper and more established. Now I'm going to interrupt the quote. That's neuropsychology. That's a habitual pathway that we get following and it becomes so commonplace for us to do it. We don't recognize that we're in familiar instead of in safe. We don't recognize that we're not in growth and we want to be in growth, but we've been doing it this way forever. So that's what he just referred to. Back to the quote. Speed is perpetually undervalued. That doesn't mean you should feel frantic or rushed. In fact, it's like you should eliminate some of the things that make you feel so busy to make space for things you always wanted to do. There's a repeat. Notice how he's coming back to that but it definitely means you should stop letting the days drift by waiting for the moment to be right because that day never comes. You'll never be ready for that right day. Last line of his quote, stop acting like there's infinite time. This, the way you are living right now, is your one life. Close quote. As mentioned, there are seven steps to this retirement process and the earlier you start, the higher the probability of a successful experience that is a two-step retirement phase instead of the typical five steps as mentioned and what the researchers and psychologists have discovered. And frankly, very few people will be able to conduct a successful retake because they're going to do the preparation stage just like they did it the first time and they're not doing it differently. So they try harder instead of different and more deliberately. All right, each step that we're going to cover is designed to move you away from your comfort zone with the goal that you experience happiness, joy, and well-being during retirement, with the ability to travel with comfort, to deepen friendships and relationships. So in order to get there, I'm going to share with you, and intermixed in all of the episodes, the second half of life or the bonus half of life toolkit. So I'm going to constantly give you tools to stick into that toolkit or that workbox, or that quiver, whatever metaphor you're comfortable with. So I want to share a pro tip or a skill set from your bonus toolkit. It's the difference between the two terms irritating and agitating. And this is straight out of emotional intelligence. To irritate means imposing one's own preferences or agenda through criticism or unwanted advice. that's being an irritant, like a rash. It induces discomfort and provokes resistance. Irritants often utilize the term, you should, or if I were you, or if if I were you, I would. These statements come from their own goals and their own biases rather than your individual needs or values. Now, if you're guilty of being the irritant, just pay attention. We're going to get into how to switch that. But the irritant, the reason I bring this up is in your second half of life, in your bonus half of life, recognizing what an irritant is versus an adjutant will greatly help you if you haven't chosen your financial advisor to do that because you want someone who will agitate, not irritate, which I'll cover in just a second. So you want to understand that examples of irritants are high-pressure salespeople, overbearing managers, and even well-intentioned loved ones offering unsolicited direction. Now, conversely, to agitate means coaching others to accomplish what they genuinely desire. So think about a washing machine, for example, like the churning action. It effectively yet gently removes the impurities. An agitator applies thoughtful questions and suggestions to spur self-discovery. In other words, they seek, the agitators meaning, they seek to elucidate inner wisdom rather than impose external shoulds. And that's S-H-O-U-L-D. Have you ever been shoulded on? So as you think through this bonus stage in life, consider what role you want to assume and take on that is going to be required to improve, enhance, and deepen your relationships. So, as grandparents, what typically happens is we guilt-leverage our grandchildren and our children to visit us more often. Is that an irritant or an adjutant? Be mindful. It's subtle, but I can't tell you how many times I've been in a coaching situation with a grandchild or a child, a grown child with children, trying to figure out how to handle grandma or grandpa's constant nagging and guilt-leveraging to come visit them. Well, one of the reasons they want to visit is because they have no purpose. They don't have an identity. They did not get through the first phase. They did not plan. So when we get into our seven steps, the very first one we're going to cover is identity and purpose. Remember, people hate to be sold irritants, but they love to buy adjutants. So warning, from this point on, everything we're going to talk about, and it's intended that way, it's designed to agitate you. Learn to embrace the agitation. It's a shield against aging. On the other hand, it's also helpful to learn to recognize when you are the irritant. Agitating requires specific communication skills, that bonus half of life I was talking about. So emotional intelligence, social skills, effective teachers, trainers, coaches, leaders, and parents. Understand the soft skills necessary to agitate. All right, that was kind of a mouthful. Now let's move into the seven steps that transition one into retirement. I'll review all seven of them real quick and then we're going to cover three of them a little bit more in depth. Number one is identity and purpose. Who are you and why do you get up in the morning? Number two is social integration. Number three, learning to restructure daily activities coming from a working place. Number four, relationship building and role awareness, which we'll cover in the next episode. Five, mental health. Keeping in mind that how you handle one, two, three, and four, and number six, will have a direct impact on your mental health. And everybody knows already, this isn't anything new off the research list, but people who retire have an immediate dip in physical and mental well-being because they do not plan. Number six, approach to leisure activities. We're gonna kinda talk about law of scarcity and law of abundance and how to use a leisure activity such as travel, going on a cruise appropriately. The problem is we oftentimes start our planning in our retirement on the back end of things instead of the front end. And then number seven, and notice, we've discovered six really important constructs before we got to financial planning. I'm not saying it's not important. It's just not as important as everybody has made it out to be. All right, let's go back to number one, identity and purpose. Quoting Stephen Pressfield from his book, The War of Art, he says, The professional loves her work. She is invested in it wholeheartedly, but she does not forget that the work is not her. Many retirees struggle to separate their core identity from their career or job title. I was in a seminar or workshop a couple of weeks ago, and two of the participants in said workshop basically said at the end of the workshop, they walked up to me and said, that's the biggest fear I have and why I'm not retired now, because all I know is as, and then they each said what their profession was. All I know how to be is a pharmacist, a doctor, or an attorney, or whatever it might be. You see, the idea is when they don't plan, when they fail to plan, they plan to fail because they don't have their identity. Having occupied a given profession for decades, often people confuse who I am with what I do. Hence, retirement poses this existential threat. So if I'm no longer a lawyer, teacher, doctor, pharmacist, executive, etc., then who am I? Compounding matters. Work not only defines one's identity, but also provides a sense of purpose and usefulness. Retirement removes that daily structure. We're not going to the pharmacy. We're not going to the office every day. So that daily structure and the demands of said job, we have our roles eliminated and the responsibilities that previously organized our very purpose of being is now gone without a deliberate intervention which i'm doing the best i can electronically the loss of identity and purpose spawns confusion and anxiety now we're getting into the psychology finding clarity around this question proves pivotal to effectively transitioning into retirement so you might be thinking all right that makes sense how do i transition how do i get out of this mindset that what i do is who i am because they're not They're two different things. So core to this process is rediscovering self-definitions beyond occupation or job status. Um, This is also true for the stay-at-home mothers who only have a sense of identity in taking care of their children and eventually their grandchildren. I've had way too many conversations with people such as the stay-at-home moms, and I just ask them, who are you? And all they can say is, well, I'm so-and-so's mom, or I'm so-and-so's grandmother. And some of them just say, well, I'm so-and-so's wife. That's not your identity. That's a title you might have as mother, grandmother, wife, but not an identity. And if you're stuck in that mold, retirement is not going to make it that much easier. Hence, this step is so critical. It is the most important step of every step that we're going to mention. So expanding one's identity sequences from career to categories like family roles, creative passions, volunteer work, travel aspirations, sports or hobbies, even educational pursuits. Retirement grants you the time to amplify neglected or nascent aspects of yourself into a full-fledged identity, even a pillar of who you are. Just as, for example, a successful company diversifies products, you know, it's important that you learn to diversify your own personal brand into multifaceted identities beyond the career track. So, for example, let me just give you a couple. Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the nation, the world for all I know, but I know for sure in the nation. I have a pickleball court. I put one in in 2000 when I lived up in Washington. I now live in Texas. I'm the first court within 10 miles of residential that ever put a pickleball court in and they didn't even know what it was when i came here four years ago and told them i want to build a pickleball court because i had to get the hoa to approve it had never heard of it well i've introduced this sport to all my neighbors to so many people that they're becoming pickleball enthusiasts, and that's part of their identity i play pickleball Okay, so their identity associated with that behavior actually has far-reaching aspects and tentacles throughout the course of the day. That's just an example. So reframing purpose involves identifying your deepest values and it helps you to identify the source of meaning and then you're newly orienting your available time, right? So you've got all this new time that you didn't have before And now you can reframe your purpose, help you understand your identity, and start using it as a means whereby, we'll get into this further, restructuring your daily activities. For example, if the family is core, then schedule local vacations with kids, leisure time with the grandchildren, and budget for visiting relatives abroad. Now, think of this. Instead of inviting them to see you, which is not really an invitation, it's more of a pressure What if you're so busy, you're doing things they want to go with you? So again, a real quick example. One of my wife's and our goals when we moved to Texas from Washington is to take our grandchildren or the children of our boys back to Washington to see where their dads were raised. I have five boys. So we took numbers two through six. So five of our grandchildren this last summer went with us up to Washington and we spent a full week hiking in the area, going to the beach, just getting to experience what their dads went through. Now, it's only been nine months since we were there, and those kids still talk about it. We have a text chat group that they call the Himmer Adventurers. They still talk about things. And when I travel to Washington now, which I do often, they're very interested to see where I am going because they now know some of the places that I've been. Hopefully that starts helping you connect. It's critical you start finding out who you are. If spirituality matters to you, explore disciplines like mindfulness or meditation or yoga while joining faith community support groups. And I will tell you from the world of psychology, understanding mindfulness or meditation and yoga can be life enhancing. In the end, retirement should expand your identity into this rich mosaic of self-expression, not collapse it into this single career-based tile. It's got to be activated with a higher purpose around your truths. Don't leave things adrift in the absence of job demands. So with focus and courage, retirement can represent a newfound wholeness, the onset of your most unified, meaningful, and fulfilling life chapter. But if you don't plan for it, if you don't think about it, you don't know who you are, that's a very challenging prospect. Being retired is a placemark in time, not an identity. Much like being employed is a placemark. So again, here's a couple comments about identity. I'm a spouse. Okay. I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. I'm a friend. I'm a runner. I'm an athlete, a pickleball player, a golfer, a writer, a student of life. I practice mindfulness. So I'll leave you with this quote on this section. If your identity is yesterday... Reliving the past will be insatiable and never bring satisfaction. Number two, social integration. Retirement removes the built-in social infrastructure of the workplace. The water cooler is now virtual, and casual collaboration morphs into intentional coordination on others' availability. The loss of those incidental social cues and touch points takes deliberation to combat isolation. Isolation is one of the biggest contributors to failing mental health as retirement moves deeper into the years. Human beings, as mentioned multiple times, are hardwired for interdependence. They're hardwired to connect. They're hardwired to learn, to grow, and to change. And we thrive through meaningful connections. Retirement's disruption to workplace relationships, much like the government's approach to the COVID, was a complete disruption of everything humanity stands for and needs to have, which is that connection. It not only compromised our connections, it compromised our learning processes in the schools that they tried to go to the Zoom approach, right? The, the virtual approach to learning. And it leads to this feeling of loneliness and aimlessness that we end up pursuing because it's what we know. It becomes our familiar space rather than our community safe space. So a conscious integration into social outlets is vital for your well-being. So think it through as you craft your retirement schedule, what activities are you going to prioritize? What volunteer groups can offer camaraderie? Coordinate with your friends to share hobbies like golf and cards and activities or travel. So just before I recorded the podcast, I sent out a text message to my pickleball group asking who's playing tomorrow at noon. That's our lunch break. So we're going to get together for about 60 plus minutes and we'll come over here. We'll play pickleball and then everyone will disperse and I'll go about my day. And that was a wonderful lunch break. Well, what if I could do that and I wasn't working all day long, but I could do that at any time? What if my lunch break was three or four times a week? Other activities deepen as we purposefully create them. We can do this with grandchildren. We can do this with children. We can do this with friends. Virtual connection has its place, and it's really enhanced it in a lot of areas. But it should supplement, not supplant, your personal bonds. Shared purpose in human interaction remains essential nutrients during that retirement phase. So in order to prevent the social isolation, it's critical that you start thinking now, how am I going to connect? What learning opportunities am I going to have? However, if isolation has already taken root, urgent action is required to regain life-giving connection don't wait. You don't have a lot of time. In other words, this isn't a call that you're going to die tomorrow. It's more of a clarion call to say, why put it off when you can be happy today? A shared purpose, this human interaction that we talked about, that's the vitamins you need. That's the medicine you need, not more opioids or more medications from the doctor. Western medicine treats symptoms. I'm talking causation right down to root, The key is recognizing that isolation is a menace before it hijacks your happiness. So reach out, join groups, keep moving, keep connecting, and don't let isolation be self-induced. It doesn't have to be. When isolation starts rearing its ugly head, it's when we understand that you can enrich your relationship by simply picking up the phone and talking to someone. It is that simple. It will yield a bounty of joy when you pre-plan in advance how to keep yourself busy, which leads us to number three, restructure daily activities. The great unstructured odyssey is how not to retire, which is the title of the podcast, because typically what we see is what not to do. So the absence of prescribed work routines, it can leave many retirees adrift with an abundance of of unstructured time. Having followed external schedules for decades, eight to five, whatever your work hours were, the sudden open frontier of free-form days and weeks can literally paralyze a person more than it liberates. We have research coming from the Soviet Union post the fall of the wall, they didn't know what to do because they'd always been told what to do. And now all of a sudden they have freedom and they froze. They were paralyzed. Children who go to college to the university coming from a helicopter scenario with their parents, having been told what to do, get to school and their fail rate is so high that the universities are putting in intervention programs to deal with children of helicopter parents because they don't know what to do with their time. Even conscientious individuals struggle to self-manage without guardrails provided by the job demands and deadlines if they fail to plan. The vacuum of obligations allows peripheral distractions to dictate activities rather than intentional priorities. And the purpose that you have is how you become intentional on your priorities. Don't manage your time, prioritize your time. So before long... Discretionary time gets frittered away on aimless pursuits if we don't plan, such as television, social media, shopping, etc. Therefore, imposing structure around your personal goals and values proves essential to finding purpose in retirement. The key is being selective. Ask, does this activity align with who I am and how I want to invest my time? Less discipline surrounds how one spends one day, but more discernment must govern how one spends one's life. So start the process by brainstorming a broad list of rewarding pursuits across areas like family, spirituality, creativity, travel, that's usually where we go first, sports, continued learning, that's a big one but often overlooked, and community contribution. Then organize these into a schedule and designate days or blocks of time for each priority schedule. The result that you'll see is an organized framework custom tailored around deeply meaningful goals and activities. One's days acquire a rhythm through this personalized structure, much like what you experienced during the working years. You got into a rhythm. Even students, they find that if they get into a rhythm of when they study, Where they study, they do better on their tests. They retain more. Same thing in in life. Get into a rhythm. Train your body into that rhythm. Just like an athlete trains around a customized fitness program, you can structure your living to optimize your daily activities. When you impose structure, it liberates you from the distraction paralysis that happens oftentimes during retirement. The key is a mindset of discipline to regularly step back by asking, again, how do I want to spend this bonus half of life, this precious life? Once aligned to those North Stars of purpose, identity, the structure unleashes the purpose and growth and eventually to the fulfillment. So the quote on this one is, living a structured life is the process of productive discomfort. Now, that came from Brekka's quote of that aging is the aggressive avoidance of discomfort. Well, living a structured life is the process of productive discomfort. Retirement's like being released into the Wild West with a newfound sense of freedom. Don't worry about the water cooler chats anymore. It's now about you. Talk to yourself. Talk to your loved ones. Talk to your spouse. Talk to those who matter the most. Do it deliberately. Set up the time. If you've already retired, as soon as you finish listening to today's episode, sit down with a pen and paper or go to your computer and make a list of what matters most. What adventures or activities do you want to experience? The most critical decision now is how to be your best self and structure your life towards wealth, being defined as having enough, enough time, enough love and friends and trust, enough money, everything. Brainstorm everything you want to do to accomplish who you want to become. Because retirement's not a phase. It's a self-directed sequel. So I've covered steps one through three. And we're going to cover steps four through seven in the next one. So remember, as we go through this process, don't try harder. Try different. Until next time, may your habits harmonize with your purpose, leading to a life filled with happiness, joy, and well-being.